The following has been a Shirt Off Your Back production. ShirtOffYourBackAZ.com Hello and welcome to the Shirt Off Your Back podcast where we are always appreciative. This is episode three, What is Appreciative Inquiry? Episode three, What is Appreciative Inquiry? So I wanted to start off this podcast with a quote by Carl Jung, and I think it's relevant because it sort of gives you a general idea of what appreciative inquiry is and how it works, and I just think it's a really awesome quote, and it makes you sound smart when you can quote Carl Jung. So here we go. This quote says, the greatest and most important problems of life are all in a certain sense insoluble. They can never be solved, but only outgrown. This outgrowing, as I formerly called it, on further experience, was seen to consist in a new level of consciousness. Some higher or wider interest arose on the person's horizon, and through this widening of view, the insoluble problem lost its urgency. It was not solved logically in its own terms, but faded out when confronted with a new and stronger life tendency. So essentially what appreciative inquiry is, is focusing on strengths in relation to a problem. So if you encounter a problem in life, be it something very personal, be it maybe something a little bit more systemic, the idea with appreciative inquiry is to focus on strengths that will help you overcome that problem and it's strengths that you have as a person. Focus on strengths that will help you overcome that problem and less focus on the problem itself, if that makes sense. So let's say you're having an issue with your car. It's a mechanical issue and the tendency might be to focus on that issue. Oh, well, the check engine lights on. It's making this weird knocking noise. If you have some strengths and a background in being a mechanic and being good with your hands, if you're, if you're kind of a handy person, you might say, ah, oh, you know what, I can kind of think about it. Maybe I can trace that problem out. Or maybe you're financially savvy and you've been able to save up some money and you're able to get your car to mechanic to pay to get it fixed. So rather than focusing, again, on the problem itself, you're focusing on the strengths that you have that can help you overcome that problem. And it's an interesting and um, pretty empowering psychological tool because it allows people to not feel helpless, right? And when it comes to things like fitness, things like weight loss, education, career, uh, living situation, sort of your your personal effectiveness and your own well-being out in the community and uh, how you spend your leisure time, you know, what you do outside of work and school. Um, when it comes to that, being able to focus on your strengths and make those areas of your life as not only pleasurable, but as efficient and effective and as meaningful and purposeful as they can be, that's really, really empowering. And I'm going to give some broad strokes definitions of um, these principles. There's five principles of appreciative inquiry. I'm going to give, again, some broad strokes, kind of an overview of these principles. And not really focus on so much specifically how they can be applied in different domains because they can be applied in different domains in different ways. If anything, I'll reference fitness and weight loss just because that is my 
my major field that I'm in right now. Um, but I use these tools a lot. Um, sometimes not even consciously. Sometimes they just begin to start manifesting themselves in conversation because once you become rather adept at using them, uh, they sort of come naturally. And I wanted to share this, this, um, these, these five principles of appreciative, appreciative inquiry are coming out of this book. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see this coaching and psychology manual. Um, it is by Margaret Moore, Erica Jackson, and Bob Shannon Moran. And basically it is a, uh, textbook, um, more or less a psychology textbook. It is, um, rooted in coaching psychology, um, how to pe help people overcome obstacles as it's related to health and wellness. Um, so here we go. Five principles of appreciative inquiry. We're going to look at the positive principle. So basically the positive principle here is positive energy and emotion disrupt, da disrupt downward spirals building the aspirations of people into a dynamic force for transformational change. So essentially that means just like I said, you're focusing on the positive aspects of a situation in order to overcome that downward spiral, right? So you might be getting super frustrated that your car is breaking down, but the moment that you begin to think of the positive aspects of that situation, like, oh, I'm pretty handy. I'm pretty knowledgeable as far as things like mechanics and engineering go. I could probably figure out what's wrong and maybe even fix this. Or I got a little bit of cash saved up. Uh, I can drop this car off at the mechanic and hopefully get it fixed sooner rather than later. Um, the positive principle basically asserts that positive actions and outcomes stem from the unbalanced force generated by positive energy and emotion. So you are countering a negative interaction with positive energy. And this isn't like, I mean, you can take it this way as far as like something cosmic, uh, cosmic energy, uh, but you can even think about it as um, force, as in something in physics, right? Think about the human system and think about a mechanical system, right? If something is moving one way and you counter that with a positive force, then there's going to be a reaction, right? And that's going to be true in a physical system and that's going to be true in a human system as well. Um, the positive principle in a lot of ways focuses on why it's good to feel good. When you recognize that it's good to feel good, actions become more positively charged positive outcomes start to manifest themselves because you're not focused on the negative, right? If you are only focused on the negative, you're only focused on the check engine light and your car breaking down, your focus is going to be on that. And naturally it's going to be less on the positive aspects and the challenge and the opportunity that is presenting itself or the opportunity for you to exercise some skills you might have to be able to use that money that you saved up for a rainy day fund to be able to say, wow, I'm glad I had the foresight to uh, have an emergency fund for such situations and be able to celebrate that. So focus on the positive. That's the positive principle. 
The constructionist principle. The constructionist principle asserts that positive energy and emotion are generated through positive conversations and interactions, leading to positive actions and outcomes. Through our conversations and interactions with other people, we create the realities in which we live. Words create worlds is the motto of AI, the motto of appreciative inquiry in general, and the constructionist principle in particular. So more so than probably any of the other principles that I'm going to list here, the constructionist principle really focuses on the importance of the social context and the environment in creating in creating the present moment and changing future moments. So I'll just I'll just continue to read this a little bit here. Inner work and self-talk alone are not sufficient. Different environments generate different truths and different possibilities. They even generate different dimensions of individual experience. As Rosamund Stone Zander and Benjamin Zander summarize the constructionist principle, it's all invented, so we might as well invent a story or a framework of meaning that enhances our quality of life and those around us. And I like that because most psychologists and most people that have a clinical psychology background or more of a philosophical psychology background, uh, coaching psychology background, they're going to tell you that we tend to think in story, right? We tend to think of... Um, we tend to think in the terms of like conflict, rising action, and resolution, which is a story, which is essentially three basic plots that you, three basic basic plot points that you're going to have in any movie, right? You're going to have a conflict at the beginning. You're going to have a rising action. A bunch of things are going to happen. The character is going to go through some development. The character is going to go through some conflict, and then you're going to have a resolution and an ending. And we tend to think that way. Our brains process things. That way. So essentially what the constructionist principle says is you can use words and dialogue and conversation and resources to essentially create the reality you want, right? I think in, in weight loss and fitness and wellness, we say things like um, you don't you don't diet and you don't exercise. You you become a thin person. You become a healthy person and you have to do that in order to have those changes be sustainable and change that mindset. Because if you're always dieting and you're always exercising, that means you're still that overweight person or you're still that unhealthy person or you're still that person that doesn't like the way they look in the mirror. And this isn't to um say only skinny people are healthy and only overweight people are unhealthy. It just means how you how you perceive yourself and how you see yourself when you look in the mirror. And using these constructionist principles, it helps rewrite that story. That you're not somebody that is dieting and exercising. You're somebody that eats healthy and exercises because exercise is enjoyable um, rather than I have to work out to lose weight. You know, you become a thin person, you become a healthy person rather than someone who is dieting. And again, you do that through conversation, you do that through goal setting, you do that through having conversations with other people and having conversations with yourself. The simultaneity principle, that's the third one. This is probably my favorite one just because I like the word simultaneity. I think it's fun to say. And because it's probably the most abstract and I tend to like things that are a little bit more abstract and don't have as much concrete meaning. 
So the simultaneity principle says um, conversations and interactions become positive the instant we ask a positive question, tell a positive story, or share a positive reflection. So basically, positive questions that surround a negative situation. So those positive questions and those positive reflections, those are the change that you want to see, right? Again, if you're having issues with your car and you have a mechanical background and you have some knowledge in engineering and you say, I think I can fix this, that's the positive change that you seek. You want your car fixed, right? So you simultaneously turn that negative situation into a positive one. And those conversations and those interactions with that goal or with that person or with that situation become positive the moment that you speak positivity into that situation. And I know a lot of this sounds kind of new agey and kind of, um, I don't know. I don't. I don't say that necessarily disparagingly, but I know it kind of sounds new agey, but it's not. It's it's quite literally the way we think, and this is somewhat of an emerging field, this coaching psychology field. But I I firmly believe that if people really thought about it, they would say, you know what, that makes a lot of sense. That yeah, I can I can get myself in dif- difficult situations or find myself in difficult situations, but if I can focus on the positive aspects of that situation, it would be a lot easier to overcome, right? It would be a lot easier to work through. So the simultaneity simultaneity principle, um, it goes on to say that, uh, again, positive questions and reflections are themselves the change we seek. And they're not just a prelude or like a precursor to change. They, they essentially are the change, um, they don't just start the process, they are the process. And you shift conversations and you shift those interactions in a positive direction and it's gonna create a positive present, right? Because if all you're doing is focusing on that weird knocking noise that your car is making, you're gonna get frustrated and you're gonna get upset and you might uh, lash out at traffic and get some road rage or you might yell at your kids in the back seat and you're not really mad at them you're mad at the check engine light on your car rather than focusing on you know the check engine light again focus on that that positive principle because once you do you're simultaneously turning that potentially negative situation into a positive one the anticipatory principle anticipatory principle. This asserts that when there is a positive anticipation toward the future, everything tilts in that direction. And I do believe that you can essentially create the future you want to a certain extent. You know, there's going to be things that are going to happen in your life that you can't account for. And there's going to be things in your life that are going to be unfair because that's just life, right? That's just the way life is. It is naturally unfair. And you can think about that spiritually, you can think about that biologically, but there are things in life that just aren't fair. There are things that are gonna happen to you that are going to make you stop short in your tracks and say, wow, what just happened? But the anticipatory principle um, essentially energizes the present, right? 
Because if you have a positive outlook for the future, that naturally is going to indicate that there should be somewhat of a natural and positive outlook for the present, right? Because if you are, well, we're going through this struggle right now, but we're hopeful that we are going to overcome and we're going to have a brighter future, right? Everybody that has ever run for office says things like that. The difference between people that are running for office and you is you actually have the skills to create a brighter future. Um, If you are able to sort of shape and manifest the present into something more positive, it is not only going to become that much more conceptually realistic in your mind that you can create a positive future. It is quite literally going to create a positive future. Um, The anticipatory principle asserts that it takes a specific positive image of the future in order to impact the dynamics of the present. So one thing I utilize a lot, and I'm going to do a future episode on this, is um, a vision. And this is really common across different uh, practices with people that do what I do. Um, I think the difference with mine is a very specific question that I ask. I ask, if you could meet yourself in three to five years, who would you want to meet? And the reason I ask that question that way is is a lot of employers, they'll ask questions like, where do you see yourself in five years? And for me, that's a little bit more abstract because you are, you're seeing yourself in five years and it's not like, in your mind, it's not like you're like, oh, that person is me, right? It's this abstract version of yourself five years from now. So I like saying, if you could meet yourself five years from now, who would you want to meet? Because that implies sort of in the subtext of that question that that person five years from now is you. And you could argue that philosophically, technically the future doesn't exist yet, right? Really all you have is, I like the C.S. Lewis argument that really all you have is the present and eternity. That the past and the future don't exist. All you have is the present and eternity. And I really like that because yes, all you have is the present. All you have is this moment in this moment and this moment every moment after this moment is a future moment but that moment didn't exist until it existed i know it's kind of a total mind blow and it's kind of a weird way to think about it but i like that the anticipatory principle sort of espouses this idea that you can create positive future moments by creating positive present moments Um, because yes, all you have is the present, but that doesn't mean you can't plan for the future. And I really like the way this is put, uh, in this, this manual, in this text, it says equipped with a glimpse of what things look like at their best, a client will become more creative, resourceful, and resilient, finding ways to make things happen. So essentially, if you really want that future, if you really want that thing to manifest itself, if you decide that that person is really who you want to meet in three to five years, then you can take the necessary steps to um, create goals and create an outline to really become that person, create goals that support that vision and create action steps that support those goals that also supports that vision. Moving on to the poetic principle. 
The poetic principle asserts that the more one attends to the positive dimensions of the present moment, the more positive the intentions for the future moments will be. A focus on problems begets more problems. A focus on possibilities begets possibilities. So again, that that goes back to almost sort of the positive principle, right? If you focus on the skills that you have and you focus on the positive aspects of a situation, it's going to become that much easier to to work through, to navigate. But at the same time, it is going to it's going to help you create more positive future possibilities. Positive emotions, your vision widens. Negative emotions, your vision narrows, right? So a lot of times all we notice is when things don't work. And I like the analogy of a light in a room, a light switch, right? You don't really notice a light until the bulb burns out. You flip the switch and the light flickers and sometimes it pops or whatever and the bulb burns out. And you don't notice that light until it stops working. And it's because it's a negative emotion. And when you have a negative emotion, your vision narrows and all you can see is what isn't working. When you have a positive vision and you have positive emotions, you can say, oh, I have light bulbs in the pantry and I have a ladder. I can change that light bulb. You know, it's really actually pretty cool that I have electricity and I can walk in my room and flip a switch and have a light come on and I can see and I can do all sorts of things because of this wonderful invention called <clears throat> this wonderful invention called electricity. Right? Positive emotions widen your vision. I'm going to say this again because I really like it. Positive emotions widen your vision. Negative emotions narrow your vision. And you see this in, I mean, you see this in the animal kingdom, right? When an animal is threatened, when an animal is um, being preyed upon, cortisol kicks in, right? Adrenaline, adrenaline, and this happens in humans too, adrenaline, fight or flight. Your vision narrows and your focus becomes survival, right? And cortisol is the stress uh, hormone. And too much cortisol can be very, very, very negative, right? And it gets to a point where too much cortisol can cause things like depression, things like anxiety, because all you see is the negative. And it's chemically and biologically in you that all you can see is the negative. So it's a really hard thing to overcome, which is where a lot of this coaching and psychology comes in, is getting people to work to sort of unwire that and and undo those thoughts at least to the degree that the degree that we can right i can't necessarily operate in a a clinical sense of psychology but i can definitely look at the behaviors and say what behaviors here make you feel good and what behaviors generate a positive outcome not necessarily what uh, what triggers, you know, your your maladaptive behaviors as it relates to like an eating disorder or something like that? But again, what what strengths do you have that can help generate some positive outcomes here? Um, that's the poetic principle, and I those are the five principles of appreciative inquiry, and I really like those. There's there's another. Uh, sort of framework with appreciative inquiry. I think I'm going to do another podcast episode on to the 5D cycle of appreciative inquiry. Um, 
which again is really interesting. And I, and I, I like talking about this because I think that it is universally applicable in a lot of different domains. And, um, I mentioned in the last episode, I'm working on a, a little project here, um, pairing up with some college students and doing sort of a trial program with them. And I'm going to ask for their feedback and ask for their input. So if I ever do launch this program, it's going to have specific features and specific input because of college age students, because of young adults, 18 to 25. It's not going to be things that I read in a textbook, things that I heard from some old psychologist that no one really reads or no one really listens to anymore. It's going to be real time data and real time advice and ideas from college students. And it's going to be aimed at helping college students sort of generate uh, some goals and generate a vision for their life by using their strengths and by using their abilities that they know they have to generate positive outcomes and overcome the negative things in their life. So again, five principles of appreciative inquiry, the positive principle, the constructionist principle, the simultaneity principle, the anticipatory principle, and the poetic principle. Wanted to mention here at the end of the podcast, again, I have shirts for sale on the website that sort of help support this podcast. Hopefully soon, I'm going to get some content up on Patreon um, and have some exclusive content um, for patrons. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet, um, but it's probably going to be as low as like a dollar a month. So if you listen to this podcast and you get something out of it or you listen to it and share it with other people because you say, hey, you might enjoy this, um, then become a patron. And as little as like a dollar a month, you might get some some bonus content. Again, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet. It's just sort of something I'm, I got it on my whiteboard. It's something I'm developing, but I haven't really run with it yet. But I'm going full force with this podcast. I'm really enjoying doing it. I'm hoping you enjoy listening to it. And that's one thing I, kind of a passing thought I've been having. Maybe I'll, I'll throw this in there too. Um, I've been I've been wrestling a lot with what to do with this podcast. And I've, I've started and stopped and started and stopped a lot of different times. And part of that was to sort of test the waters and see what works and what doesn't work. Part of it was to learn some technical skills to just basically practice with recording and uploading and editing and things like that. Um, But I'm just putting it out there because I like doing this. And I, I get this sense that if I like doing it, it's going to be better, right? Just because I'm going to be my authentic self and I'm going to put myself out there and put myself forward. And I think if anything, people will respond to that more and respect that more and it'll attract the right people, right? I'm not going to attract people that aren't interested in the topic. People that are interested in this topic are going to want to listen to it. You know, the the psychology of health and wellness and building muscle and losing weight and eating well and just becoming a, a well-rounded, healthy um, and spiritually balanced person, right? Um, I think there are people that have an interest in that. I don't know who wouldn't, but you know, there are some specific niche markets for that for sure. So uh, thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time.